You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Um, we're here to uh, discuss this topic here. How did I get myself into this mess? Um, I'm sure we've all have done a few things, you know, in our lifetime, whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, we've all ended up in a certain situation and we're trying to figure out how we got there, you know, and we have a few scriptures here, a few examples. And uh, what I tell people to be careful, I said, because, you know, when you end up somewhere, if you, t- if you look back, you'll see where the compromise began. It might have been something very small when you first start to compromise. And as you see, you end up in a place, if you if you really look back, you'll see where it all began. It can start with something very small, then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you're so far out there, like, how did I get there? And it started with something very small that you just let go, that you thought was not a really big deal at the time, but it led you someplace you never thought you'd go. You know, and it's, and it's, Satan's very crafty, you know. He'll give you that one little thing you like, and, and you'll say, this isn't so bad. This isn't really hurting anybody. And then you do the next thing, the next thing, and next thing you know, you're so far out there, you're like, how did I get here? But if you trace it back, you'll see where it all began. It didn't just happen overnight. You don't just wake up from loving God deeply to doing something so crazy. It, it might have started with a thought, a small action, but it starts somewhere. Um, so I'm Rico McClinton. I got baptized 2000, November 4th. I've been a member of the church now really for 17 years. I came out for like three years before I decided to get baptized. I had to really study and figure out what this all meant, what it stood for. Um, I heard people always pray and say they love Jesus. And a lot of times they would pray at the end of prayer to say, I love you, God. And I was like, what does that mean? I would pray, but I would never tell God I loved him because I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I love you. You know, so I didn't know what it meant. So I'm like, I'm not going to tell God I love him because I don't even know what it means to love him. Until I studied out scripture, you know, then I got what it meant to love him. Now I can say I love him deeply. But before I wasn't just going to say I love him because I was living my life the way I wanted to live it. I'm like, something is not adding up here. I don't love God, but what? What does it mean to love God? So I studied scripture and I figured it out. So this is Susan. Hey, Hello. Um, Well, I've been a Christian. It'll be 20 years next month. And I've got two beautiful daughters, Brittany, who is 21. She became a Christian as a uh, freshman in high school. And she's in the uh, central region or Lifeway. And she's great. And then uh, my other daughter, Janae, is 16. She's a a junior in high school, and she became a Christian in eighth grade. They both made uh, way better decisions than I ever did at that age. Um, When I started going to church, I was married to uh, my kid's father, and uh, Brittany was a baby. And I I got baptized, and then about three months later, he did. Um, And then we were in church together for... About three and a half years, it was kind of rocky up and down. Uh, When I was pregnant with my youngest, we separated. And then uh, shortly after that, divorced for biblical reasons. Um, And then it was, gosh, about nine years. And and he remarried and uh, had two kids and then uh, decided he wanted to come back to church. And so they started coming and studying the Bible. And... uh, she got baptized, and then he decided he didn't want to. And I was like, dude, you can't get away from disciple wives. You need to just surrender. Um, so he did start studying again, um, and he is also your brother in Christ. And they are um, 
there in South Bay. So if you've ever doubted God's word in uh, Romans 8.28, that God works to the good in all situations, hopefully that'll encourage you to definitely hold on to that promise and, and believe that. Our, our book, this, the example that... The, no. Okay, I wanted to put a picture of Rico up there. He wouldn't let me. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This <laughs> okay. Our chapter in the book, use Samson as, as an example. We all know what Samson did. You know, he, he kind of played with fire, messing around with Delilah, you know. Um, and um, and he played with fire so much, he played the guessing game with her. Guess what, you know, my, where my source of strength comes from. She finally guessed. They cut off all his hair. You know, and it took up to that point, basically, I'm just going to give you a quick overview. It took up to that point when he was blinded and they, and they had him tied up to humiliate him and embarrass him in front of everybody that he was so broken, he finally cried out to God. And God gave him strength for the last time to push the pillars over and kill thousands and thousands of people. But what I was thinking about when I was reading that story again, I go, you know, he was broken. I said, you know, but it cost him his life. You know, by the time he got broken for him to do what God had wanted him to do in the first place, it cost him his life. You know, I'd rather get broken before that, I was thinking. You know, but he finally got broken, but it, he, he died with him. You know, and I was like, I'd rather get broken way before that. I'd rather get broken and kind of enjoy some of the things God has set up for me. You know what I mean? Because, like I say, a lot of things that we cause and the turmoil we're into, we cause it ourselves. And we're going to look at three uh, traps that he, that he got pulled into. First one we're going to look at is learn from your mistakes. The second one is choose your friends wisely. And the third one, we know. And the third one is take God seriously. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is her idea. I, I wanted more manly things, but I serve. I serve. <laughs> Says, oh, yes, the past can hurt, but you can either run from it or learn from it. Um, so so I'm going to share something before I read these scriptures. Um, I was also married. Um, I came into kingdom married. I was married for... I got married in like 96, married, I met my ex-wife in 92, and I got divorced like four years ago or so, and um, we were leading a family group, studying scripture, you know, um, personally I felt like I was doing great spiritually, I wasn't, you know, doing nothing crazy, we had, you know, we had D times, great D times every week, you know, and then, uh, I'm going to be very tactful here, I never want to say anything, but something happened, you know, that really, uh, that said, hey, there's <laughs> something's really wrong in our marriage. My wife got caught in a situation. God kind of revealed it to me, right? And uh, I, kinda, I had to kind of call her out on it. She denied the situation. You know, then I got advice, and advice I got was stick it out, see what's going on. So that's a spiritual, spiritual advice. So I stuck it out. But at the time I was sticking out, I was, I was very angry. I felt very disrespected. And then during that time, she told me she wanted a divorce. She didn't love me anymore. I want to start my life over. And people were saying, bro, stick it out. This is your family. So I slept on my couch for like a year, paying the bills, sleeping on the couch, 
for a year trying to just trying to do the right thing, you know. But in the meantime, I'm dealing with anger issues and like kind of looking at her like like um, kind of like it's her fault, right? But then I was, I was speaking with a friend of mine, you know, and he said he he pointed something out to me. He said, you know, God trusts you can handle this, just like He did with Job. He trusts you can go through this. And I was like, you know. And the, the strange thing is, when he told me that, I kind of, I was hurt, and I was going through these things because I have kids, I love my kids, I saw them hurting, but I was like, you know, it's an honor to me that God trusts me enough that I can go through this. So then I began to look at it differently. I said, you know, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to refine in my character? What did I do? You know, what, her choice and her action was her action. I said, the one thing I control is my response. As a disciple, God, what are you teaching me? So... One thing I learned God was teaching me, and, you know, and it was very, very humbling. It was, it was a revelation when he says, you know, I, I, I never forget I was on 90th by going the freeway on, on the 90th freeway, and I'm sitting to light, and God goes, do you think Jesus is going to go through something that you are not going to go through anything? Like, who do you think, who are you to think you're going to not go through anything after what Jesus went through? He didn't do anything wrong. You've done a lot, you know, and I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? refine my character and something else he told me he go yeah you might be doing good spiritually but where you are spiritually right now is not going to be enough to get you through this you got to get closer to me you got to come closer to me you got to seek me more you got to spend more time with me if you want to get through this that's what i'm calling you to do so i prayed daily i read scriptures daily i have my friends my closest friends sent me scripture every day i went to sleep i had a program on my computer I cut it on. I went to sleep, listened to the word, woke up, listened to the word every day. And that's no joke. Every day. And it was good and bad. But I said, God, I know there's a peace you have planned for me. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know you have it, you know. And in there, I, I find I've, I've learned a lot. You know, uh, I've, I've definitely learned patience. You know, um, he taught me to be more loving and, and not to point the finger because everyone, we all have sin. We all have things we can work on. And a brother told me, he goes, don't judge people by your strengths. Judge them by your weaknesses. And you will have more compassion for them. Because there's something that they'll do that you won't do. And there's something you would do that they won't do. So, so have humility. Judge them. With, judge them you know, um, if you're going to judge, judge righteously. You know, help build them up. Don't, don't, don't be harsh. You know, speak the truth in love. I learned so much during that time about being loving. And I had to really look at my ex-wife, even going through it, and say, this is her sin. I have to put it in perspective. It's just sin. I can't take it personal because it's not. You know, it's not personal. It's, it's the sin she's in at the moment. And how am I going to deal with it? You know, so that's something I learned. In the scripture, we're looking at David. You know, Samuel, um, 2 Samuel eleven forty five said, David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. That was Bathsheba. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Then we go down to verse 14. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in, the David, in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. See, David, and we don't want to fall into this, David made a mistake. He didn't repent, though. You know, and instead of repenting at times, we can make mistakes, and then we figure out how, how can we cover it up. 
because we might be embarrassed. He was embarrassed. He was the king. He messed up big time. And, and, and you're right. A Hittite was his friend. You know, he slept with his wife, then had him come home and tried to get him to go sleep with him. He goes, no, how can I do that when my men are out there fighting? He slept and wouldn't go home. Then when David realized this, instead of, instead of fessing up, he did this. It got worse. It got worse. You know, so it's like, what are we going to do when we, when, we, when we find ourselves in our sinful nature, when we find ourselves weak? Are we going to try? Are we going to fess up or cover up? We have a choice. We're going to do one or the other. Either you're going to fess up or cover up. Because if you don't tell somebody you're covering it up, are you going to fess up? And if you cover it up, chances are you're going to do it again because you're going to feel like nobody knows. Chances are you're going to do it again. But if you fess up, you might be a little embarrassed. You might be a little hurt. But if the person you're fessing up to, like I said before, guys, right, speak the truth in love. Love, them, love the person through it. Love them through it. Encourage them through it. Give them scripture. Pray with them. Find a way to build them up and get them through it like Jesus did. Okay, Susan? I thought we were going to have a podium to cover up my ugly papers here. I have to have notes. (laughs) I'm just going to hold it. Um, So this scripture in Ephesians that says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And this scripture really um, it reminds me that it's a nature change. You know, we, we used to live one way, and then becoming Christians, now we live another way. But we still have those cravings of our sinful nature. And recognizing them, I think, is, is a key to learning from them. Um, for me, my weaknesses, my... Um, sinful nature, really, I have learned how to uh, numb out very easily. Um, You know, if I don't acknowledge it, I don't feel it, then you can't hurt me, right? (laughs) So um, in my younger days, uh, as a teenager and my early 20s, I used to um, do drugs in order to numb out. And that was really easy because then you don't have to worry about a thing at the moment. Um, But there's plenty of ways to numb out. Of course, I don't, you know, do the drugs anymore, amen, but, um, you know, there's definitely other ways to numb out, and I know that, you know, I can shut down what I'm feeling even before, uh, you know, I can feel it, and so then I'm like, well, I don't need to talk about it because I'm fine, you know, I can just get over it, um, but that will definitely get me into a mess, uh, and it has recently. The The mess I've gotten myself into recently was, really dwelling on my past mistakes and um, and bad decisions, and I, I still suffer the consequences for some of those. Like, you know, going way back, I, um, I was training to be uh, a firefighter, and I just let fears and, um, you know, opinions from other people just, you know, shut me down. My fear shut me down, and so then I thought, well, okay, let me go the LAPD route um, because – it's a shorter amount of time, you know, to the process of getting hired. But I had just become a Christian at that time. And so when it came to uh, talking about, like, the background stuff, I didn't lie. And LAPD doesn't look too kindly on past drug use. <laughs> they are not very forgiving, and I can't blame them for that. So, you know, I, I was 
really stewing in a lot of regrets. The shoulda, woulda, couldas, you know, I should have done that. And if I would have done that, then I could be doing this now. And, you know, it just started snowballing um, until I was like, you know, my life should be different. And this just stinks. Okay, well, that's that's a hot mess, right? <laughs> because my life is fantastic. You know, I, I've got my two daughters that are disciples. We have a um, great relationship. They actually enjoy being around their, their mom and <laughs> ask for advice. And we have a lot of fun together. Um, you know, I, I have a great job. Um, oh, I never finished college. That was another, oh, I should have. But I have a great job in spite of that that allows me a lot of freedom and you know financially is is uh, decent Um, so you know that kind of fueled my hot mess because then I felt guilty like oh I have a great life why am I you know why am I whining and complaining and regrets I have all these regrets well we know that God's hand is in everything and that he protects you and and uh, and I know he was, you know, working through that. I mean, the girls have even said, we're glad that you never, you know, went that route. We would have been afraid. And, you know, I'm sure God did rescue me from, from things that could have happened. Um, so then since I know all of that, that just, that just kept fueling those. And I was like, why, why do I feel so gunked up? You know, why, why am I, I'm moping around. I'm, I'm trying to be joyful and um, it's just it's not working and so then recognizing it going okay how did I get here oh my sinful nature what do I do I numb out I'm numbing out on God so if you numb out on God the first thing that diminishes is prayer right because I'm like if I'm not aware of him why am I going to talk to him and so as my prayer life started getting I mean I would like do the obligatory prayer, you know, because I know that you need to pray, but, you know, it wasn't that heartfelt, that relationship, that one-on-one, like, God, you know, I really did mess up in the past. I really did make a lot of mistakes, but look where you've brought me now. You know, it wasn't those kind of prayers. Um, And so then from that, my reading, the times that I would spend with God, again, I wasn't connecting with him because I, you know, I'm just, I'm numbing out. Um, so I was just, you know, I would read, but it would, you know, kind of go in one ear and, and out the next. It wasn't, you know, really changing my heart. Um, so once I realized it, of course, and I'm like, oh, okay, now, you know, how do we, uh, how do we, how do I stop that? And how do I learn from it and get out of this, you know, non or numbing, non-praying, discontent, weird perspective, you know, junky mess that I I got myself into. And really, um, it's being open and vulnerable and talking about it, um, about everything, so that it'll come up and either I'll see it or, um, you know, the person, the woman that I'm talking to will see it. And I realize, too, it's it's why, for me, uh, discipling times are so important. Because I just, um, I can be so out of touch with my feelings. I'm not purposefully, like, trying to be deceitful or to hide anything. You know, if I'm in a blatant sin or whatever, I can, you know, I'm like, okay, I've turned myself in. This is what's going on. But I don't even realize it. So I need to have that time with the um, person 
in order to have it come out where either I'll feel it or she'll see it and then can kind of, you know, steer me back. Um, So this actually brings us to our next point, which is choose friends wisely. Um, yeah, as you can see, we, we, we showed this picture. I thought it was pretty cool. That was my picture, like more manly, right? <laughs> as you can see, they're mountain climbing. But look how everybody is supporting the person. Everybody is helping the other person. Everybody's helping everybody. If someone breaks down, chances are they are going to fall. You know, you need that support group like that, people you can trust. And that's trust. You know what I mean? You need people you can trust, who you, who you can go to and talk to, and knowing they're going to be there for you like that. You know, and, and that trust is built, though, by – next slide. That trust is built by spending time together. You know, um, I, I'm going to read the scripture now. Um, it says, the day after tomorrow to, – this is David and Jonathan. They had a great friendship. They're known to have a great friendship in scripture. And so the day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid when this, when this trouble began. And wait by the stone, Ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send the boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows on this side of you, bring them here, then come. Because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go because the Lord has sent you away and about the matter you and I discussed, remember, the Lord is witness between you and me forever. He was protecting David against his own father because his father wanted to kill David. So he, he, they had the friendship. He's like, look, David, he's willing to, to go against his father because he loved David so much. You know, and David trusted him. That's the kind of friendship we need. Somebody. But look, who we based it on, though. You got to look at the, the key words. The Lord, as the Lord lives, the Lord is, is witness between you and me forever. The Lord has sent you away. It's like we need to base our friendships on God's word. Because I'm going to give you a little example. I told you I'm not going to go into too much in detail. <laughs> but when I was going through my situation, I have friends in the world, and I have my disciples. My disciples are sending me scripture, building me up, and my friends in the world are telling me craziness. You know, this will make you feel better. You need to go out with me. You need to do this and this and this. And I'm like, that's not good advice. But I know they meant well, you see, but that's just what they know. You see, they, they love me. They want the best of me, too. They didn't want to see me hurting, but that's just what they know. So I had, I had to choose what advice was I going to listen to. You know, if I would have took the advice, I might have had fun for a moment. I might have felt good for a moment. But then what was going to happen? Right? I would have cut my relationship between me and God. I'd have been separated from him. I'd have been caught up in some kind of sin. In the end, I wouldn't have felt better. I'd have felt worse. So I took this route and listened to my brothers and sisters, and I went through it, and I let God refine my character. Because I heard a scripture once, a lesson once, and the, and the guy said something that stuck with me. He goes, you know, people in the world go through the fire, but they're being consumed by it. We go through the fire, and we're being refined by it. I'd really be refined by it. See, it's our choice. See, I, I tell people, we have free will. We, we, do we want to go back to what we left because we go through a hard time? No, God is refining us. He's teaching us something. You know, we, we have to choose who we're going to be around, who we're going to get the advice from, who we're going to trust. You don't alienate your friends in the world because you, you want to reach out to them. But when you go through something, you can share with them because what they're going to see is how you handle it as a disciple. My friends in the world saw how I handled it as a disciple. 
And I had another friend going through the same thing, and he's miserable. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get him to come to church. He is miserable to this day because he went the other route. He went the route that I chose not to go. And I was with him. I took him out a few weeks ago, and he's miserable. And we've talked, and I've shared with him, you know. And, and there, was no, there was no comfort in the route he chose. It was, he was set up, and it got worse. And he's even more miserable than it began. And I found some peace, and God's, God is amazing, you know. God, God, I tell people something, you know, and I mean it when I say it. I said, God never breaks his word. He can't. So if you love him and you're a disciple and you read that word, it's true. Everything in scripture is true. Okay? And if you're going to go through something like we all have to, just know it. People go through something and they get bitter and they get angry and they leave the church and they, and they say bad things. You have a choice. Go through it. Get bitter if you must. But don't let it, don't, don't let it sit. Get bitter, get angry, and get it out. Get it out of you. Go, go, go get some help. Because you might find yourself in a bitter place. It can happen to anybody. What are you going to do? The Bible says, do not let any bitter root grow to defile many, because bitterness will defile a lot of people. It, he warns you about it. You know, so choose your friends wisely, as David did. And you have Susan. So this uh, scripture in 1 Samuel says, While David was at Horash in the desert of Zip, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horash and helped him find strength in God. And isn't really, that's what friendship kind of just sums it up, that um, we need to help each other find strength in God. And I just wanted to share a little bit about um, my experiences with friendships. Like, okay, this is one that I think I've, I've actually had um, some great successes in. Um, when I was going through my divorce, you know, it uh, it rocked me. You know, my life was going to be very different than what I thought it was going to be. And um, it drove me to my knees, which is a good thing, you know, because I really, um, I needed to rely on God so much. So being on my knees, literally, was a good thing, but then I needed help to get back up and to to move back, you know, to keep moving on and to not um, not stay there. And so it was crucial at that point. And I I had a particular friend, Elaine Johnson, <laughs> David's mom, <laughs> that just um, gosh, she held up my arms when I couldn't, you know, hold them up anymore. Uh, she let me cry when I needed to cry. She let me yell when I needed to yell, and you know all of the above. And it was uh, it was a great time. She really um, was there um, in every way for me. And we prayed and prayed and prayed again and read scripture. And she reminded me, you know, um, I needed lots of reminding of how much God loved me, and um, you know that that circumstance wasn't all there was to life. And I had two little kids to, um, you know, raise, and um, I'm just grateful for her. Um, You know, I'm in the – I was in South Bay for many years and then now – and have great friends there, and then now I'm in the West and um, have great friends as well here. Um, And it's great because with the friends, you know, we can – I can vent and I can freak out and they don't freak out that I'm freaking out. 
but at the same time, when it gets to the point, if I'm like kind of going, going a little bit far, they reel me back in. So, um, yeah, Cindy and Francine are all, they're back there like, yeah, we, we have to reel her back in. <laughs> um, so it's just, um, you know, it's, a, it's important to look for those friendships. If you don't have them, they are out there. And sometimes it happens really quick. You know, you can really gel with somebody. You can have those conversations, and, um, and you know that it's, it's good. And then others, it takes a while to gel, um, but they are out there. You, everybody needs somebody that will believe in them. Um, and not just, I mean, you know, it says about um, what your itching ears want to hear. That You know, because sometimes when, if you start to vent, and there will pe- be people that just throw fuel on that, and then you really just start going out there, and the you'll get negative and critical. So it's important that you find somebody that, yes, doesn't freak out when you're doing that, but then knows how to pull you back in. And then for you to be that to somebody else. Um, You know, it was kind of, it was convicting when I was doing this. I was thinking about, um, you know, I do have these uh, great sisters that are friends, but I realized I really missed having um, good friendships with brothers. And um, Rico kind of jammed me up the other day. In love, he was like, (laughs) speak the truth in love. Because he was like, you know, after midweek, he just jet out of here. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm tired. I've got to go home. But he's like, you know, you need to create opportunities so that you can talk to people, uh, brothers and sisters alike. But I was, um, you know, realizing that I was missing having those conversations. And I'm not talking about, you know, romantic and date, just those friendships that you can bounce things off of each other. You get a different perspective, you know, when you're when you're listening to brothers speak, it's just a different perspective. They have a lot of a different mindset a lot of the times, and so, um, you know, I was even thinking, I'm like, okay, so how do I, you know, start to facilitate this? So one of the ideas I had was um, I enjoy boxing, and I was like, there's a Pacquiao. Algeria fight coming up in November and I was like I'm gonna have a fight party <laughs> and so if anybody's interested please let me know and I know that there's got to be some sisters out there that I'm not the only one that likes boxing so please see me afterwards <laughs> if you're interested <laughs> in doing that <laughs> so um, uh, Rico has a great perspective on Proverbs so he's gonna talk next oh, me? You know, this is a surprise. That wouldn't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, um, I like proverbs. I say proverbs are like to me the great one-liners. They're very straightforward. You know, they just tell tell it like it is. You know, and we and we looked up a few of these things um, here, and it says Proverbs 13:20. Uh, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, he who covers over an, over an offense. Promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his own, from his earnest counsel. You know, and, you know, there's, there's, there's even more, you know, and 
I think it just shows, you know, how important God believes friendship is, you know, because we're going to be spending time with people every day. You know, we spend our time with God, but we're here. I tell people now as I've gotten older, I say, you know what I learned is that it's not about money. It's not about things. It's about relationships. You know, it's about who you spend your time with, who you surround yourself with, because whether you want to admit it or not, I'm telling you, the more you spend time with a person, the more you will become like them or the more they're going to become like you. And if you spend time with somebody who is just out there, you spend a lot of time with them, you're thinking it's not going to affect you, you will start to compromise in some way. Because if because the bottom line is if they're so far out there and you're not compromising, you feel too uncomfortable to be around them all the time because it will make you uncomfortable because of your, your closeness with God. So if, you're getting, if you find yourself getting very comfortable around a situation, you might want to check yourself. You know, it's... We shouldn't be comfortable, you know, reach out, spend time and, 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 and try to, you know, convert, share God's word. But we shouldn't start feeling comfortable in that situation. Something's wrong. You know, um, next slide. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this her. She picked the guy thing, though, right? <laughs> well, I said I liked boxing. Does anybody know who that is? Yeah. Does anybody know? Kind of date. It's. Yep. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Um, yeah. <laughs> Again, he wouldn't let me put his picture up there. <laughs> no, I'm a Hagler fan, so I'm dating myself a little bit. But, um, but when you think about it, okay, like if you want to be a boxer, you don't just, okay, I'm going to get some gloves and some shorts and, all right, I'm ready. Let me get out there. I want to be champion of the world. It just, you know, it doesn't work that way. There is intensive and extensive training. Um, you know, the the um, the conditioning, the, um, it's not, and it's not just physical, it's mental as well. And it's, um, you know, you, you need a trainer. You need a good trainer. And you pay attention to who your opponents are going to be. And you watch them and look for their weaknesses and their strengths. And, you know, how, how are you going to counter that? Um, and you do a lot of fighting before you can actually get to the point where, you know, you can be in a, in a title fight. Um, so, you know, it takes a lot of time, effort, strategy, planning you know you know boxers always have um strong cores not just to you know look good at the beach but you know they (laughs) you get pounded on you know you've got to be prepared to be able to take that beating to take that punch because you know i have seen people get knocked out from body blows so you know that's it's anyway it's a lot um to it to become um um a really good boxer um so in looking at that, uh, go ahead and turn. you know, it's a, um, there's a spiritual battle out there. And, you know, it's a war going on, and it's a battle for your heart, and it's fought on the turf of your heart. Um, you know, the enemy schemes, they're going to try to take you out. They will deceive, destroy. You've got to be prepared to fight. Um, you know, really seeing the spiritual implications in just your daily life and everything, everything that happens, there is a spiritual implication with it. Um, 
in this scripture in saying, you know, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's kind of, that's scary to me. Um, You know, and I'm a visual learner, so I a lot of times like to, like I'll visualize demons. You know, maybe not necessarily like in movies, you know, horror movies, but, you know, a presence there that is trying to fight against me. You know, they give you body blows, right? Um, And so you can't stand strong in a war if you don't know that it's going on. Um, and so you, you got to know who your enemy is and who it's not. And it's not the person that you're having conflict with. That's not the enemy. We know that Satan is the enemy. And it'll help me to have compassion a lot of times when if I'm in a conflict with someone that I'm like picturing Satan whispering those lies because you know he does because we've all heard him. And I know I fell for them. But when I picture that th- that they are listening to that um, those lies that he's normally he whispers them, he doesn't shout them, he's just you know whispering them. Then it helps me to have compassion because I'm like, wow, they're listening to those lies. How did this happen? Um, so it's really thinking um, you know thinking vertically as opposed to horizontally. Oh, yeah, sorry. So so what do we do with that? <laughs> so it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, and this is how we do it, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we, you know, we have the tools. If we take God seriously, and he gives us all of the um, um, he gives us all the tools we need here in in Ephesians, and um, we just have to recognize it that the battle is real, that we're in it, it's continual, but that we have the the um, the training. If we plan it out, we've got the training, we've got the skills, we you know then we can see things coming a lot of times, and we're prepared for it. Okay, so we're talking about taking God seriously. So we wanted to find some scripture that kind of uh, gave us gave us an example of that. And I shared um, Sunday a little bit, and I and I told um, the guys at church and the young ladies at church that when I was studying, because I didn't grow up in the church, I grew up in Los Angeles outside the church, and uh, (laughs) and uh, I wasn't I wasn't 
people who knew me before, some people say, man, I heard you used to be a jerk. They use different words. So this, this, this. I go, really? Wow. And um, so I wasn't a very nice person at times. And um, so when I was studying the Bible, I, I had done some things and didn't and slept pretty good. I didn't care much about what I'd done to hurt people in different ways. So when I was studying the Bible, you know, I was like, man, Jesus is awesome. Wow, wow. And then Chuck Bray was, was telling me about Saul. And I was like, wow, Saul was like, wow. And then he goes, well, you know, Paul was Saul. And I was like, what? I'm like, really? And God, I'm like, oh, man, I'm all good. That kind of inspired me to. T- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always remember that feeling. I'm like, oh, okay. I, all right, let's finish studying. I can get baptized. And, you know, and I got baptized. But it inspired me to see God's grace and forgiveness, even for someone who was persecuting Christians. I'm like, man, I've, I haven't done that. I was not trying to kill Christians. So I'm okay. You know, so this is a great example of taking God, um, God's word seriously. It says, meanwhile, as Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, he su- suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And this is later. He's in the city. God calls him Ananias. Ananias is a little nervous, but he trusts God. And then he goes to the house where God sends him to remove the scales from Saul's eyes. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, getting to this point. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. That is someone who repented and took God's word seriously. He didn't just sit around. You see, he took action. He went from trying to persecute Christians and saw God's grace and he took action. He took it seriously. There's an action to it. It's not just sitting there saying, Jesus is Lord. He forgave me. I'm saved. It's like, where's the action? You know, because in the world, love is a feeling. But I find out through scripture when you read in First Corinthians, no, love isn't just a feeling. Love is an action. You know, God said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Okay. God says, go make disciples of all nations. Those are actions. We ain't making disciples just sitting there saying, I love you guys sitting in our house praying by ourselves. We're not making disciples like that. We see an example of someone who took God's word seriously by the way it affected his life, how his life changed. This, this is a man who took him seriously. And look how much of the Bible he wrote after he was transformed and took God seriously. God can do amazing things if you take him seriously. This is something I went through. I love this scripture. Because I know we all, we all, if we're not going through something now, we're all going to go through something. Some of us are going through something now. And if we haven't talked to anybody about it, we probably should. It'll help us. It may be hard. Someone you trust, talk to them. Get it out. Let them pray for you. Get some scripture. And, and just go through it. Let God refine your character. And this scripture sums it up for me. I love it. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We've all heard it, but I'll read it again. 
Because it's God's word. It changes our character. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I think these next three little bullet points here are kind of like, I guess, uh, practicals that when you're in a mess, what can, you know, what will help you get out of it. And really, the first thing is the fear of God. Um, But a fear of God that produces a reverence, you know, for him, not that, oh, I just, I'm afraid he's going to smite me, I'm going to go to hell, you know, not that, but that you understand the greatness of him, the um, the sovereignty of him, and that will produce a, a deep reverence and love and trust. So to me, that's what the fear of God is, that you realize that he really does have your life in his hands and, and wants the best for you. Um, and with knowledge of scripture, that produces wisdom because just knowing, you know, we, I think we've all probably know people who can recite a lot of scripture. But if it doesn't produce a change in your life, then kind of what, you know, what good is it? It's just a bunch of, a bunch of words. And so to be able to um, draw on that as you're going through things, as you're, you know, sometimes getting into the messes or what it, whatever, that scripture will come to your mind. So you need to know the scriptures so that then it's handy because when that demon comes and is whispering in your ear, how do you counteract that? The word of God. Yeah, and so we, we've got to know it. And that's where wisdom, you know, you think about, wow, how do these people get so wise and smart? It's because they have this practical use of Scripture. And you can be unschooled, ordinary men and women, right? But God can have so much power uh, through you with the knowledge of his word. And then the last thing, prayer. And to me, prayer is an intimacy with God. And, um, you know, if you have a relationship with somebody, you talk to them, right? (laughs) So you need to be able to talk to God. And then just as important is to then shut up and listen to God. I know I can talk too much, and there's probably some of you that talk too much too. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But that can be really hard to just, as part of your prayer, be quiet. Be still. What is he saying what what is the whole you know we have the holy spirit i think we forget sometimes that you've got the holy spirit so you need to listen to it but if you're jabbering the whole time you're not going to hear what it's prompting you to to do um and so uh and then it also of course in your prayer life it it brings um you know gratitude uh, that's what started you know helping me get out it like oh man, I am just not grateful for how great my life is right now. But it, through the prayers, that, and that brings gratitude. And then, of course, you know, praise, praise to God. And so that kind of, uh, you know, good combination to, to get you back on track. Um, this is just some things that you guys can write down. You can talk about now or talk about later with your friends. Um, we just want to give you some things to maybe think about. And uh, we just want to thank you for allowing us to share our lives with you, share some scripture with you. It's an honor to serve in God's church. God is amazing. And I can say to you again, I love God.
God never breaks his word. He's faithful. If you're a disciple, keep fighting a good fight. If you go through something, know God will see you through it. If you're not a disciple and you're thinking about becoming a disciple, it's amazing. It's not boring. It's a lot of fun. Okay? Um, and I, I love God's church. I love this church. There, there's some awesome people in this church. If you don't have friendships, get to know some more people. And I uh, just want to say thanks. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.